everybody, this is Charlie from After Apps, and you are listening to today's Food Doggle. This is Mark Metcalf, and you are listening to today's Food Doggle with Bailey on Domain Cleveland Radio. You are listening to today's Food Doggle with Bailey on Domain Cleveland Radio. Yes, Kato Kalen listens to this all the time. Reformatory with Slipknot, Limp Biscuit, Pantera, plus Full Beat, Megadeth, Lamb of God, In This Moment, Highly Suspect, and more. Hurry and get passes now at incarceration.com. Incarceration. So come and get it. Get it. What's going on, everybody? It's Bill Bailey with today's Boondoggle. And real quick housekeeping note, if you're watching us on YouTube or Rumble or Odyssey or uh, BitChute, please hit that follow subscribe button. And if you're listening to us on Spotify, Apple, Google, uh, Spreaker, any of the podcast platforms, please hit that follow and subscribe button. Help us to... uh, Build up our numbers to continue to bring you conversations like the one I'm about to have today with uh, fellow veteran and musician Esteban Alvarez. How are you doing, man? What's up, Philip? Man, it's so good to be here, man. Really appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this. Like I, I was saying, I had uh, uh, your bandmate Opus on, and uh, you know, we did a lot of uh, had a pretty good conversation, and then uh, you know, he kept telling me he's like man you really want to get get deep you got to get asked about in here so i'm like All right, man, make it happen so i'm glad uh we were able to make this make this work out today um usually then when i have somebody on for the first time i like to go back though and get a, a background uh you know especially with veterans and everything but um do you remember originally what did you want to be when you grew up um when i was a child like probably all the way up until about the age of 10. Yeah, about 10 years old. I wanted to be like a pro football player. I was uh, so enamored by the NFL and like I knew every player and I was into like professional wrestling. So like, you know, seeing these large guys, you know, as athletes and shit like that, I was like, wow, like these guys are really kind of like my my heroes. And then uh, like when I started like coming out of the age of 10, going into like, you know, uh, pubescent and adolescence, um, my dad, uh, he served in the military and I started like looking out through a lot of his stuff and things like that. And then by 11 years old, 12 years old, my mind was set. I was, I was going into the military. Oh, nice. And then, um, so like, yeah, at nine, 10 years old, you kind of had decided that that was, uh, what you wanted to pursue. Um, when was, uh, what was, uh, you know, when was it where you were like, okay, I'm, I'm definitely committed. 
and uh, what helped you decide on what branch you wanted to serve in? Well, I knew, I knew even going into high school, freshman year, I knew, I, I mean, my best friend that I, I'm still friends with, he's a godfather, my kid, Alex, he, uh, he will tell everybody that we talk to. They're like, oh, when they when he overhears somebody ask me the same question, like, how long did you ever want to be a soldier? He always pipes in. He's like, this motherfucker's been wanting to be a soldier since I've known him. So, like, <laughs> freshman year of high school, I knew immediately. I was like, boom, I'm doing this. One way or another, I'm going to go into the military. So, like, at first, you know, you're juggling a bunch of things. And I was like, well, I want to be a fighter pilot. Maybe I'll, you know, I'll be a fighter pilot. And then that that was like my main thing. I was like, damn, I want to be a fighter pilot. I was in love with the movie Top Gun too. So I'm like looking at F-14s and shit. And I'm like, ooh, this looks cool. This looks cool. Until I was about 12 years old and I got on my first roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this G4 shit sucks. So that kind of like changed my mind a little bit moving forward. So I was like, you know what? I still want to kind of be a pilot, but, you know, let me see what other options I, I'd go with. So as that um, started to progress, um, I started getting into my mind, like, you know, maybe like, maybe what about combat engineers, you know, they do something like that in a branch of service somewhere, or maybe like, you know, maybe some of the um, UDT guys in the Navy, you know, underwater demolitions for those who are for the virgins that are listening. Are we allowed to say the virgin word anymore or no? Yeah, I mean, we already said motherfucker, so let's just go for it. <laughs> so, yeah, it was like, uh, you know, I would kept toying around with the idea. And um, when I was in junior year, um, I don't know if they still have the, the DEP program, the delayed entry program now. But, um, yeah, that's what in, I went through. <laughs> yeah, back in 97, you know, I, I started, you know, I, when I was a junior, I was like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this. And uh, I originally took the test for the Marine Corps. I, my, now, mind you, my father, um, he's no longer with us, but my father was with uh, 7th Group ODA, and uh, my father was in the Special Forces for a long time. So my father never, like, corralled me into, like, a branch of service or what have you. He just told me, like, hey, you know, this is what to expect if you go. So he never really, like, told me, like, hey, this is, you know, you should do X, Y, Z. So I, I originally um, talked to a Marine recruiter, um, took the test for the ASVAB, fucking scored great. I think I got like an 81 on my ASVAB, and uh, I wound up going to MEPS, uh, Military Entrance Processing Station up at Springfield, and uh, took did every bit of the medical, the duck walk, you know what I mean, the check your nads, all that shit, and... Uh, we they brought me into this little room, you know, where all the other Marines were. And remember, they made you stick that little sticker on your chest, you know, the the branch of service and your name, and it had your last four on it, so that everybody knew who the fuck you were. Yeah, who owned you? <laughs> exactly right. So um, now, mind you, like I'll, I'll fast forward later in my career of why I know now why they don't put. I am one of the reasons why they don't sit the branches of service together anymore when they are wait in that fucking waiting room. You know the waiting room I'm talking about. They got the TVs. You're just yeah. waiting. They're doing pro their processing paperwork. So I wound up uh, going into the uh, Marines office. And, you know, originally I was like, yo, I either want to do MP or I want to do infantry and follow my path towards, you know, recon, maybe, you know, divers, shit like that. Because I was, I really liked the water at the time, and I'll tell you later why I don't like the water anymore. 
But um, the Marine was like, all right, cool, you know. And then uh, he told me, he goes, well, guess what? We only we can only offer today, you can only really enlist for either Motor T, transportation, um, and I forgot what other fucking jobs they were. It was like Motor T, I want to say some kind of like medical branch, and then was admin or something like that. And I was like, I don't, I don't really want those. He's like, well, that's kind of what we're offering now. And, you know, if you're going to get these opportunities, blah, 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 for education, you know, you got to kind of take them now, you know, it's, and you know how they pressure you. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, all right, well, I, I guess we'll do motor T and he goes, all right, well, go sit back out there and we'll do some paperwork and we'll have you come back in and sign some stuff. This is how close I was. So I sat in the room. And I look over and I'm like, I'm sitting, I'm watching TV and there's this guy next to me and we start talking because he, he was like from a town over from me. And he had a, you know, an army tag on it, you know. And I was like, oh, so you're going in the army? I'm like, yeah, my dad was in the army. He's like, what do you sign up for? I'm like, Marines. He goes, oh, cool. What job are you going to get? I'm like, I guess I'm going to do motor T. I was like, because that's what they have. I was like, I don't really want to do that. But the guy told me like, as soon as I get MOSQ'd, you know how they tell you, as soon yeah. as you get qualified, you can apply to switch your qualifications and it shouldn't be any problem, which is not even nearly the fucking truth. <laughs> so then uh, the guy's like, oh, shit. And I was like, why? What, what job are you going to be? This guy's like, well, I, I got a 82nd Airborne contract. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, man, infantry, I'm doing it all. I'm like, oh, no shit. I was like, that's fucking awesome. I'm like, yeah, I was like, I guess I got to take this job in order to get the education benefits. He's like, oh, yeah, I got those too. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I got those too. I'm like, all right. I was like, what else do you guys got? He's like, yo, I got a $20,000 bonus. I was like, that's it. I'm not fucking doing I was, I was getting no bonus. Nothing. Yeah. I think they were offering me like a $3,500 bonus. And I'm like, nah, man. And I went and I knocked on the Marines door and I was like, um, so... I was talking to that guy out there and he's kind of getting what he wants. So I kind of want what I want. So the one thing my dad did tell me, he goes, don't walk out of there without getting what you want. Yeah. And I was, and they're like, no, you know, we can't offer you that. You know, we can offer you being a United States Marine. Is that not good enough for you to let it out? And I said, kind of not. And then those sons of bitches left me up there at Mets. Meps. No shit. Yeah. And then I later found out when I was working for when I went TDY working as a recruiter that uh, they actually have the authorization that if you refuse to sign on the contract, they don't have to transport you back from MEPS. <laughs> oh, shit. So did you go talk to the Army guy immediately? Fucking A. The next day, I went back up to MEPS. The Army guy drove me home. <laughs> the next day, um, I spoke to the, uh, the Army guy and I enlisted into the Army. Nice. Nice. And I got everything I wanted. I got infantry. I got my bonus and all that stuff. Because I said to myself, I was like, you know, if I'm going to go, I'm not going to, like, you know, kind of do something half-ass. I'm just going to go do it. And I guess they said, you know, hey, if you don't want to go to combat, join a leg infantry unit. They don't go. They're going to send the, you know, 82nd Airborne first. They're going to send all these other guys first before you even hit the ground. I was like, all right, cool. And that's how the story went. And then so uh, you end up taking the army going going that that route and then um like what would you say um were some of the, like the oddest things that coming out of you know high school and the the civilian world what were some of the oddest things you experienced transitioning into the army life 
hearing motherfuckers for the first time with like a deep south ass accent that tripped me the fuck out i mean i'm a city kid from new britain connecticut so it's like you know I, i'm used to motherfuckers talking hood and then like i see that all right what's going on my what the fuck are you saying dude like i don't fucking understand you um I couldn't get over the fact how some King of the Hill and shit, right? Oh my god, Boomhauer motherfuckers. <laughs> and I'm talking like they, it's not just the sound, like they look it too. And like teeth are like this. They they like have the stereotypical like inbred kind of look. You're just like, oh man, his eyes are really big, like his facial features are weird. <laughs> so uh that was one of the oddest things. And also like motherfuckers that are like really dirty. <laughs> like motherfuckers that don't shower. I'm yeah, like, they're like built for deployment. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, God, this <laughs> is there in their whole life. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking gross. But I mean, my dad kind of gave me a little bit of a rundown of like how these the drill sergeants were going to kind of treat me as like an asshole. And I was an athlete in school anyway. So I was like already used to kind of like my coach riding us. You know what I mean? So I kind of already yeah. had that competitive mindset going in. And I did. And I also at that time was doing martial arts for like maybe four or five years. So, like, I kind of already had a, had a, a disciplined mind, mindset of, like, just kind of, and I had a couple friends of mine um, that told me, they're like, yo, when you get there, just shut the fuck up. Just shut yeah. the fuck up. Don't yeah. say anything. Just shut. The, find your battle buddy and only talk to him. Don't fucking talk to anyone else. And that, I took that. <laughs> dude, I, I swear to God, I took that to heart and I didn't say a goddamn thing to anyone through 30th AG, through my um, entrance. I didn't talk to anyone outside of my battle buddy until like three weeks in. Wow. My drill sergeant didn't even know my fucking name. Yeah, you know what? I mean, that that uh, going in like with the, the background in athletics and stuff was definitely a game changer. Like, man, I... Uh, I'm gl grateful now for my friends that made me join the wrestling team with them. Like I was the class clown joking around, you know, I was I'm still a furthest thing from an athlete, but my buddies were, they liked having me around. I was good at parties and shit, but it's like, Hey, we want to spend time. You know, we want to laugh during the suck with you too. So it's like, I got the gallows humor. So they got me on the wrestling team and I got, wasn't, wasn't frigging great by no means, but I stuck it out. And that gave me the mentality to stick through some shitty stuff and got me, physically ready to go into, you know, boot camp and, and stuff like that. So that definitely makes a, makes a difference, man. Oh, for sure. I mean, even talking to guys like the first week when they're sore, guys like, I can barely fucking move. Like I, things are hurting on me that I never knew existed. And you're just like, cause you're already kind of in an athlete mindset, you know, it's there and you're, you're still pushing through it. You're like, ah, oh, fuck it. It's going to be sore, but it'll be fine in a couple days. And yeah. these guys are like breaking down and wanting to quit. And you're like, and you're just like, dude, it's good. it'll be fine in a couple of days. Just stop being a pussy. <laughs> and then, you know, I didn't get that advice that you got though, about shutting your mouth, you know, that <laughs> class clown shit kind of came with me. So not only did I have to, you know, do the drills, the normal hour drills with, with my, my company, but you know, I had to get up an hour early every day to go with the, I forget what they called it. The motivational, uh, group that had to do extra, you know, hit on the, <laughs> on the uh, <laughs> out there. So, I mean, I came out looking pretty damn slim, though, you know, but was, uh, they always, they're always like, you can tell the guy that was the problem by how fit he is leaving basic training. <laughs> <laughs> 
and it still didn't seem to help my mouth as time went on. But you know, I probably help make it worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, and then when uh, you know, you get through your training and everything, like, what would you say, you know, without breaking OPSEC, were some of like the worst places that you had uh, served at? Uh, hands down, Iraq. Um, Afghanistan was pretty shitty. Went to South America a little bit and stuff like that too. But Iraq, I mean, in 0405 was just, that was a really shitty situation. I mean, comparatively, we, we were in Fort Polk, Louisiana, getting ready to train up to get that, get out of there. That place sucks. I don't give a fuck when anybody, that is like, out of any military base I ever been on, when they tell me like you were going, like, anytime they said you were going to Fort Polk, I would just get chills and I would immediately get depressed. That place fucking sucks. But yeah, Iraq, Iraq was probably the young, longest 16 months of my life. Yeah. And then, um, what would, what would you say was the best place that you got to serve at? West Point, New York. We got stationed over there with the first of the first infantry and, um, they, uh, we helped valid, co-validate uh, cadets as they were going through their um, as they were going through their validation through their ropes courses and things like that and through their training lanes. So the cadets, like the first two years, they do a lot. I mean, they do some field work and stuff like that, but it's mainly like academic work and learning how to do you know drilling ceremony and how to lead and things like that. And then junior year, they start getting branched and in, into the, like some of their jobs, and then I wound up. And then that's when they start taking them out to the field, like real field problems. And then uh, that's when they used us a lot to validate them. And we were like cadre and stuff. And we trained there. It was awesome. It was a great place. It was close to home. It was only two and a half hours away. And an hour and a half if I was speeding. So, I mean, most of the time I wasn't even living up there. I was I was home. Like weekends, I would just tell my squad leader, like, hey, I'm out. I'm going to go home. And be like, All right, cool. So it was, it was a great you know, year and a half being there was awesome. Nice. And then, uh, what would you say is one of your pet peeves, uh, that you have when with the civilian sector since transitioning out of the military? Shit. <laughs> How much time do we have? <laughs> Honestly, What fucking really upsets me is how blessed people are and they don't even fucking understand. Yeah. Like, it really, really, really gets under my skin when people really complain about first world problems. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people suffering in the world. There's a lot of soldiers suffering in the world. There's a lot of service members suffering in the world. There's a lot of just human suffering, period. Yeah. And, like, and I mean, especially now when, you know, when you're around musicians and things like that and you're touring and things and you know, it's when you talk to some other guys from other places and things like that. And you hear sometimes what they complain about, you know, mm -hmm. and I also work, you know, yeah, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even put what I do like for another job, but I'm around a lot of, you know, people of, you know, different deeper into civilian sectors and things like that. And just hearing like their perspectives of the world and, you know, like, Oh my God, you know, I was so stressed out because of X, Y, Z. And I'm like, do you understand like what the fuck's happening in the world right now? Like people really put a lot of value into other people's opinion and doesn't really fucking matter. 
you know? And so that's kind of like my pet peeve is like people don't understand how blessed they really, really are. Yeah. There's a lot of gr- uh, people that uh, lack gratitude. You know? For sure. Actually. Yeah. That's a perfect word, dude. Total lack of gratitude. Like <laughs> what really pisses me off is people are like, Oh, this fucking country sucks. Look, man, <laughs> we may not be perfect, but we're still the fucking best. Yeah. I mean, I can admit our flaws far from perfect, but dude, we have you been anywhere else? You know, seriously, it's like and they, they haven't even been out of their township half the time and they're bitching, you know, dude. And they always try to, and they always say, well, in the Netherlands, well, in Sweden, well, in this, like, have you been there? Dude, their fucking population is like a fraction. Not even you can't even put a fraction of what it is their population compared to ours, dude. And I was just in Switzerland on tour over there, and it's fucking cold and it's super expensive, dude. We went through towns in Switzerland where like the minimum cost of a home is a million dollars. Who the fuck live over there? So no yeah. wonder why it's peaceful. No wonder why they have order. No wonder why this. There's no fucking ghettos in Switzerland. Yeah, no shit. You know what I and, mean? Like, yeah, and and, and uh, you know, half of them are just reading what they read online. They haven't been there, you know. But uh, I can't imagine because I know, like myself personally, like I've been a you know big fan of music for forever. You know, been. Uh, involved in my local music scene used to be a concert promoter and stuff and um you know love being involved with the music scene but i had no talent you know so i would i would book shows and stuff like that but uh you know you form these friendships and bonds and and then you real then i i it, it blew my mind like you know even after long after being out of active duty and stuff you know, but the past, I don't know, like since 2020 on, it, it made me like question, like, was I ever really friends with these people? They really, you know, like a lot of people coming out and I can't imagine like touring and having, to, you know, okay, well, you know, it, it, having kind of tiptoe around, like, you know, what's, what's, you know, what, what am I allowed to say, you know, because everybody's offended over every fucking thing these days and the shit we would say to each other in uniform, people's minds would explode like scanners and shit. Oh man. my God, dude. If, if people, I, <laughs> that dude, I, I have to laugh out loud because every year by every, I get together in my platoon three times a year that I went to Iraq with for our guys that passed away. And I always tell everybody, I'm like, dude, if you ever want to hear ball breaking to an Olympic sport and you ever want to be offended by literally just being present in the room, come around us. Because it is <laughs> nothing but a fucking dogfight from minute one to the end. <laughs> yeah. It'll put hair on your chest before you leave, you know? <laughs> First, you say, what's up? Oh, fuck you. Uh, kiss my ass. All right. Well, I want to fuck your ass. You know, and then the gay jokes start coming out, dude. It's like you feel physically dirty and mentally stressed. <laughs> You'll be dropping pronouns left and right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then, uh, like, what is something that you, you feel that you'll – uh? always carry with you from your time of service the brotherhood man my brothers always man like we call each other 
regularly, you know, check in on each other, especially with everything that's happening. I mean, I've lost, unfortunately, I've lost a bunch by their own hands. Yeah. So, I mean, my father included. So, but it's like, I've, I've been friends with many people and, and I am friends with many people and I am, you know, <clears throat> really tight with a bunch of people, but I don't think I'm any tighter than with those guys. And I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. it's like, I even, there's some of those guys that, to be honest with you, like, I don't even really like, does, does that make sense? Like some of the guys in my platoon, I'm like, I don't call you on a regular basis. You're a fucking asshole, but I love you, dude. Like, yeah. Call me in the middle of the night, dude. And I will drive wherever the fuck you are to go help you. Yeah, you know, exactly. it's yeah. such a weird, I, I, I can't describe that shit because it's like, like I said, like guys could hate each other and it's like, come on, man, let, you want to go get something to eat? You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's really odd. No, because I mean we can uh, we can empathize with each other now and feel like uh, I don't know. There's like that, like you said. There's people that complain about first world problems, and then there's people that have experienced real real shit. And even if you were an asshole, and I didn't like, I mean, I just I just had a reunion from my for, with people from my last deployment. Drove down to Dallas, Texas, and uh, love Texas. And, yeah, and and uh, and. Uh, you know, one of the guys, uh, my 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 brother Carlos Figueroa, man, he uh, we became brothers on our last deployment. You know, I didn't know him from no nothing. You know, from Puerto Rico, it, it, you know, I call him Fig. Whoop, whoop. He, he speaks Figlish. You know, but uh, but uh, you know, we we bonded on our last deployment. He's the one that actually got me into jujitsu, which I want to get into with you as well. But. Uh, right. You know, when, during our deployment, he had me, the army was, was doing some at, at, at our base. And he was like, Hey man, I'm going to go train, come with me, you know? So that he planted the seed. But, uh, anyway, hadn't seen that dude since my welcome home party in 2009, you know, <laughs> we kind of keep in touch in, on, on social media and they just happened to plan the, the, uh, reunion in, in Dallas by where he lives. He's like, don't bother getting the hotel room. You're staying with me come on, come on down. You know, he's been married now since, I mean, we off and on we'll, we'll message each other, but whatever do we show up? And it's just like, I, like I, you know, it was just yesterday when he left my, my welcome home party, you know, like we hadn't missed a beat, you know, we're just grayer and, and heavier, you know? <laughs> and, and, uh, it was, it was awesome, man. It was just like, a, it was great to spend time with them and reconnect and love them. And then we got together with some people from the deployment and there was one dude I didn't, was one of those guys I didn't like, but you know what? The dude came up and gave me a hug, was happy to see me and I was happy to see him. And then we found where, you know, what life's been like since. And then there's cer certain things he's into that I'm kind of into and, and we found common ground, you know? That's all and it is. Just like, yeah. And it was, it was awesome, man. It was just exactly like, like you were saying, man, it's like we hadn't missed a beat and, you know, dude gave me his blue belt that he got from the Gracie dojo that he, because nice, he saw I got promoted. He hasn't been doing it <laughs> anymore. And he's just like, here, you know, I was like, wow, man, thank you. That's great, dude. That's you a know? big sentiment. Yeah. But, um, what do you uh what's now that I know these are tough to to narrow down but uh what's like one of the funniest stories you feel you can share from your time of service? 
Oh man. Uh, <laughs> shit. Um, trying to think. Oh my God. <laughs> now I had to go through the Rolodex to go through this one. All right. So this is going to kind of bleed OPSEC, but not bleed OPSEC. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave the names obscure. <laughs> and I'll leave, I'll leave locations obscure. Um, so this was uh, 04. I want to say this is around July or... Yeah, I want to say July of 2004. We were deployed to Iraq. And at this point, like, now, mind you, we got in there in March. So, you know, we're in there a few months already, and we've already seen some pretty gnarly shit. Um, we've already been on some big-time operations and things like that. And, you know, guys have guys are, at this point now, we're super high-strung. So, you know, and being overseas, you know, the fuck whatever officers hearing this and they know it too. We got alcohol mailed to us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so <laughs> we, uh, and I mean, it wasn't just us. It's guys all over the place. It happened in Afghanistan, happened here. It doesn't matter. We got our hands on booze. So, uh, you know, we were between missions, you know, we had a couple days of, um, what they call command maintenance days. And that's when you bring the vehicles in, they get maintenance, they get topped off, you know, um, if windows got shot out, you know, you change out the windows, all that shit. So you get about, you know, two to three days off to refit, rearm, and then we get ready to move back out onto full-scale operations. So they do it by platoon. So obviously it's so night one, you know, and we're, we're drinking and hitting it hard. You know, one of my buddies, one of my buddies wound up uh, having his significant other mail over um, a six-pack of um, waters. But the waters, if you twist them off, they're filled with gin. So we're hammering them down, hammering them down, having a good time. Well, two of the guys um, decided to go have a smoke break, and that's fine. It was already really late in the night. We're just like, all right, we're going we're gonna to go ahead and head to bed. Well, apparently there was a there was two other buddies of mine that were in the room with them, and they continued to continued to uh, to have libations. And the idea came up: let's take a fucking vehicle and go on our own raid. And I this is on all holy hand of God, okay, that this happened, but it didn't happen, <laughs> okay? Yeah. These four assholes. Mind you, we are in the we are. I'm not even gonna tell you where in Iraq, but we are in the Sunni Triangle of Iraq. Okay, this is not a bullshit area. This is a real area. Okay, we had Hesco barriers all around our connexes, like in our trailer parks, dude. Like we got mortar, we got hit a lot. These four assholes decided to go ahead and grab a vehicle and uh, start heading out. <laughs> so two of the guys got chicken shit when they hit the wire and they were like no nah, we're gonna go back they're like okay so they hopped out of the vehicle and walked the click and a half because where we were was kind of big they walked the click and a half back to where we were they didn't say shit so apparently these guys went out into sector on their own one vehicle mm. one guy one guy drunk one guy in the turret one guy driving they went out oh, wow. into sector on their own Okay. The wow. reason I know this is insane. I, I yeah. 
I swear on my kids this happened, okay? <laughs> and I it's unconfirmed how long these guys were actually out for. Okay? But it is confirmed how they were found. Okay? How they were found was they were out there so long. They now mind you, they were in PTs. Okay. They were in their PT uniforms. They were out there so goddamn long. When they were coming back, they're still drunk. They were drinking while they were out there. They see another platoon that's going into the gate from patrol. So they're like, let's just go in with them. <laughs> so, <laughs> the, and at this point, it had already been our, our, me, I got woken the fuck up already because a vehicle was missing. The guard at the guard shack noticed the vehicle was missing. They were like, holy shit. And you know the way that is. Everybody's up. Commander's up. The entire company was up. And now we got two guys missing. So now they're like, holy fuck. Now we got, we got MIAs. What the fuck's going on? I'm not even going to tell you what the rank of both of them were. That's going to even make it even more insane. But I will say they're E5s and E6s. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is... The story gets better. So, like, we spun up our vehicles. Everybody's getting in vehicles. That I'm getting questioned, like, where the fuck were they? Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like, so my squad leader smelled the alcohol in my breath. He's like, get in the fucking vehicle and shut the fuck up. And I'm like, oh, God. So these guys wind up linking up with these guys. Come to find out. That's one of the platoons that was sent to go fucking find them. Oh, shit. They were even spinning up rotary ring to go fucking find them. They link, they come up behind the vehicle and they're like, who are you guys with? What's going on? The guy from the turret turns around and goes, don't worry, man. We're with fifth group. We're fine. <laughs> Needless to say, they had their... Uh, they were not the ranks that they were anymore. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, but the incident, I'm not going to say what happened on the radio, but you're looking at my, the incident kind of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know. I've been involved in a couple of those myself. <laughs> so they that. still retire. So <laughs> the reason it was so goddamn funny was. <laughs> I walked over to them where they were. They had, they had guards and they put them in the water room where all the bottles of water were. And I went in there to go to go talk to them and they're handcuffed. No shoelaces. No fucking PT shorts. They're just in undies and a t-shirt. Like straight fucking Iraqi prisoners. And I'm like, where the fuck did you guys go? And one of them looks at me and goes, everywhere. <laughs> and I, and, the, and the, the, you know, more of a miracle was the fact that they didn't get fucking killed. I, and I was just going to say, I was like, man, if those guys didn't end up, you know, getting really involved with, with their local church when they got home <laughs> after that, it's like, tell me that there's not uh, somebody looking out for you without, you know. <laughs> Could you imagine, like, what the fucking bad guys were thinking? Like, what the... 
like what the Mahdi Army's thinking. There's just this one lone Humvee. <laughs> they see them in their PT gear and they're like, they're fucking crazy. We ain't fucking with these guys. <laughs> We're not fucking with those guys. <laughs> Dude, that was probably so. Yeah, that was probably the funniest moment ever. I know it took like ten minutes to explain that story, but it was totally worth it. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely, definitely. <laughs> and then, uh, what would you say is one of your uh, greatest hopes for the country that you've been willing to give your life for? Yeah, we unplug our heads from our fourth point of contact and understand that there is. A shitstorm brewing. Yep. It is coming, whether people want to believe it or not. <laughs> the wolf is coming. Oh, yeah. The wolf's here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, yeah, you're right, Bill. Like, it, it's, it's here already. It's, there's nothing we can do about it. All right. Well, good. Because that'll be a, a good segue for what I want to get into with you as well. But, uh, Real quick, last of the uh, questions with the uh, with the military. What sure. can we do that you feel we can do to break the stigma of uh, mental health and PTSD? Starts with leadership. It starts with leadership. Let the leadership know that it's okay to talk. Yeah. I was a, I was a leader. I was a platoon sergeant. Um, you know, I commanded at one point when I was in Afghanistan. I had thirty nine guys under me plus two medics and a mortar team. So I always told those guys, it's okay to talk if something's wrong. Um, but the people above me were always like, no, you know, what's wrong with this guy? No, is he going to go out because he's got a mental health issue? Blah. There's such a stigma. Yeah. Break that stigma. Throw, throw some dirt on it. You know, all that bullshit. Yeah, man, it's not, when guys are feeling that way, it's not time to drink water and drive on, you know what I mean? Because look at the fucking epidemic we have right now yeah you know, guys are offering themselves like fucking every day man it's really bad yeah. it is a fucking bad thing that's happening if we can figure out how to be i don't know because i mean oh, obviously being a service member is not easy no matter what branch of the service you're in you know what i mean but like if for example, firefighters and police officers and all, you know, if they're, if their jobs are offering them, you know, mental health, you know, and things like that, why aren't the service members being a lot of that too? It's like, you know, the way it is when we come home from deployment, oh, yeah. you sit here for like fucking five days. Like, are you okay? Yep. You just want to get the fuck out of that chair and you want to go home and get laid. That's yeah. all. It is. You just want to get the fuck out of there. Nobody's really sitting down with you and making you feel uncomfortable and saying, but what is the matter with you? You know what I mean? And making people tap into that before they leave. Yeah. And what happens is that, well, how do they tap into it with alcohol? Yep. A lot of times or whatever substance of choice or whatever behavior of choice, because we haven't had a chance to go ahead and get that out. So one way we do that we can definitely help is just let's break that stigma with a fucking sledgehammer. Yeah. One of uh, the biggest things uh, that, uh, helped my my healing journey uh since transitioning out is uh you know being accepting and being uh you know surrender isn't taught to us you know especially in the military it's like the opposite you don't surrender you don't give it up you don't give in but you get to a point where you got to surrender to your feelings you got to surrender your ego 
you got to surrender and uh, be vulnerable, be willing to be vulnerable, find a place where you can be vulnerable. Like, uh, you know, I'm in recovery. Uh, um, I, I've been able to get into some rooms where I can be vulnerable. The VA hasn't always, uh, uh, you know, they, you know, they, they spend all this money to send us to war, but they don't really have, you know, all the resources to, to fix us when we come home. It's starting to get a little bit better. And, and like I was mentioning that one class I was in this morning uh, when we were talking earlier. But, um, you know, it's still got a long way to go because then the, the people that are supposed to be helping us get burnt out and then they quit. So it's like you got to keep starting over with this revolving door. It's like, how can we be comfortable and really do the work when we have a new face and got to start from scratch all the time? You know, I was I was literally just it's so funny you mentioned that because I was just talking with that about that with one of the guys that I went to Iraq with. He's like, it just it gets fucking exhausting, man, like to have to go ahead and build this build this rapport with somebody to actually trust them to be vulnerable with them. And then they're out the door and you got to keep doing it over and over and over again. It's like yeah. a assembly line. It's like the uh, the wounds finally starting to heal. Let's rip that scab off and start from scratch because they don't take care of the people that are supposed to be taking care of us, you know, or helping us through, you know? So I've had to find a lot of my own healing and help outside of the VA, you know, and uh, thankful. And and a lot of them are veteran organizations because vets are like, fuck it. We'll do, you know, fuck you, Joe boo. We do it ourselves, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and that's what we do, you know, but, uh, you know, part of my healing and stuff has definitely been doing this podcast and talking about it with other veterans and stuff too, you know, For um, sure. but, uh, you know, I also wanted to talk, you know, um, I'm trying to think how to, how to, how to keep our timeline. Cause we did, like you said, we were just kind of segueing into what is that, that what storm is upon us basically right now, you know? Um, but I think you've, you share a lot of what you're seeing to try and wake the masses through what you're doing now with your lyrics and your music as well. So um, maybe I'll go back to like, when, when was like, like, did music become uh, a thing for you or something that you really were into? I'm sure you always been into it, even, you know, a fan in, in your time in, in the service and stuff, but. What, did you ever see yourself becoming like a, a front man and, and performing? Um, I honestly, like, I was singing even when I was in, um like, middle school. I was, like, doing R&B and stuff like that. And I always kind of wanted to sing, too. It was always in the back of my head. Like, I sang at my high school graduation. <laughs> I sang R. Kelly's I Believe I Can Fly. <laughs> nice. So, <laughs> not I'm going to hit the ground like a rock. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of always like kind of loved singing. I loved, um, I loved performing. I loved, um, I loved performing. But I always got like super stage fright too. So it was like I never had the opportunity to, to like fully perform. But yeah, I, I mean, I've been doing music pretty much like since, since right around when I was like twelve or thirteen. Okay, and then um, I mean. Yeah, I, I was. I've always thought I could sing. Like when I was was drinking back in the day, you know, karaoke. I loved getting up there and trying to, you know. I thought I sounded sounded pretty good, but it was like I, I couldn't like without any kind of like liquid encouragement, like you. I, I 
the stage fright and everything would get me. So do you think your time of, uh, your, your experience in the military kind of took that away a little bit when you started performing now or? Yeah. Cause I mean, especially going through leadership schools and things like that, when they talk to you, you know, about the command presence, <clears throat> excuse me, the command presence, you know, when you're in a room and you, you know, address people, you address soldiers, you know, you address, you know, you dress them a certain way, you stand a certain way and things like that. So um, I was always a shy kid, too, when I was younger, um, except for like when I got comfortable, I would be super silly. But I was never like a super assertive person, if that made sense. Yeah. And then um, the military came and just being around, you know, obviously being around a steady stream of alpha assertive males in combat arms, you know, you start. We start kind of like working towards embodying that, you know, because the reality is, is that if you don't, if you're rolling in a pack of dogs, you don't want to be the cat, <laughs> you know what I mean? So you got to, you got to learn to be a dog, you know, and dogs bite at each other, but dogs nip at each other. And, you know, taught me to have thick skin and um, take criticism. And it also at the same time taught me like, fuck it, dude, do what you got to do. Just throw your nuts out there. It doesn't matter. Walk into the room, command that shit. Yeah, yeah. And and you mentioned too as uh uh as a kid growing up you were involved in martial arts. Do you think that helped play a role as well? The self-confidence and Yeah, for sure. Um I got beat up really bad when I was a kid, so like that added a lot to my shyness and stuff like that. And I was like a super introvert as a kid cuz I was like I was overweight when I was um before puberty. I was like real chubby, so I like had a bad self-image and things so when i started doing martial arts is like when the confidence started getting and then i started getting taller thinning out and i was like oh okay so then that's when like the confidence really came in but especially absolutely through martial arts i i specifically had more confidence just like walking just being who i was you know knowing that i can be able to defend myself at least partially you know um but yeah that definitely gave me a, a big boost and what uh, martial arts was that when you were uh, a kid? I started off with Taekwondo and Kempo. I had no idea what grappling martial arts was back then. So in town, there was a Kempo studio and a Taekwondo studio, and I went to both. Okay. And then Jiu-Jitsu would come later? Yeah, Jiu-Jitsu came. Um, so Jiu-Jitsu came when I was in the Army. Uh, okay. Jiu-Jitsu came... Uh, right around when the army started moving, to, when the military started moving towards the combative series, you know, because the Gracies came in and showed some people some shit. So yeah. it was like, oh, wow. And I never even heard of these Gracie dudes until, like, I started watching UFC. I'm like, oh, shit. These guys are, like, fucking big dudes up. Like, yeah, yeah. you even see the match. You're like, oh, that big dude's going to fucking crush that little. Holy yeah, I remember fuck. Ken Shamrock, man. I was like, oh, Shamrock's going to kill this little dude. You know? dude. Nope. <laughs> I, I I was dude. Dan Severn gets fucking choked by with a fucking triangle choke. The guy's three times bigger than Hoist Gracie, and the guy almost puts him out. I'm like, what, dude? No way, man. Yep. So um, when I was in the army, I started uh, looking at this like some freestyle wrestling and things like that. So I started doing uh some of that. I did that for about a year. And I was like, wow, this is cool. And then there was a combat instructor um at West Point. And he was a purple belt at the time. So I was like, oh, cool. You know what I mean? And 
I was I went to go train and I was like, holy fuck, what is this? This is like the other side of the coin. You know, not only is it takedowns, not only is it all this, but I'm watching this dude and he's systematically destroying people. And I'm like, oh my God, this guy's not even a black belt. Like this guy's tearing motherfuckers apart. Yeah. So that kind of like started my journey on that. So I like in my head, I had the seed. And then immediately after West Point, I went to Iraq. So I outside of wrestling and like a couple of those combatives classes and going through actually combatives level one, I never had the opportunity to like formally do jujitsu. Fast forward, I went to Iraq. I come back and I uh, went TDY as a recruiter for a while. And during that time, I met a buddy of mine while I was recruiting who uh, was a one stripe blue belt. And I was like, yo, what I've heard of the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu man. I trained a little bit. I want to, I want to come train with you. He's like, all right, cool. And that was right around 2000 and uh, end of 2007 going to 2008. And uh, I trained with him for probably roughly about six or seven months. Um, quit for a little while because life, whatever. I wound up having a kid and things got really hectic. I got reassigned, so I never wound up going back for a while. Then um, I went to Afghanistan, uh, came back home, and I tried doing jujitsu again. I wanted to get in my shoulder ripped out of place in my first Naga tournament. So I wasn't, I didn't even have a stripe on my belt yet. The guy went up for a snap down, took my wrist, snapped it right out. So took a pause again. And then uh, fast forward already now out of the military in 2017, I decided, you know what? I'm going to go with it and I'm not going to fucking stop this time. And uh, got into it and haven't stopped since 2017. Nice. And, uh, you know, for some of the stuff that we were talking about, especially transitioning out of the military and, you know, what, uh, you know, our our brother's battle with the mental health and the stigma and stuff. Um, how much would you say uh, your jujitsu journey has helped in your healing process? I love it. <clears throat> um, I think. Fuck, man, a half hour of rolling is just like being an hour inside of a therapist's office, man. It's. um face-to-face -face with dealing with yourself. It's different than other martial arts. I can tell you that much. And I, like I said, I did Taekwondo. I got a black belt in Kempo. I might as well have just burned that fucking black belt as soon as I got onto the fucking jiu-jitsu mat. I was like, I don't know a goddamn thing about shit. Um, it is tremendously, tremendous. I, I, I can't even... Tremendously isn't even a word to put it when it comes to helping, like, especially about PTSD and things like that. Because if coming out, especially like from the military, you have this, you, you have this mindset that's ingrained in you. It's really hard to break it, which means like you always have to have a, you know, maybe it's a protector mindset or maybe it's mm -hmm. a first responder mindset or maybe it's a always ready mindset or maybe it's a, you know, I have to do this for myself mindset. There's always like some kind of disciplined mindset coming out of the military. And it's really hard to find a activity, sport, intramural, club, whatever, that really forces you to immerse yourself in the moment. Yeah. You know I mean, like the military, for example, if you are taking apart your weapon, putting it back together, if you're doing a lanes training or if you're out on a mission you're forced to be in the moment, you know, and that's where we all are. You know, you're forced to be 
in a certain moment at a certain time. You can't think about anything else. You can't think about home. You can't think about this. You can't think about that. Because if you do, something's going to fuck up. So you're forced to be in the moment. And that's what jujitsu does. It forces you to be in the moment. It doesn't matter that you have a fucking shutoff notice for your gas bill. doesn't matter that, you know, <clears throat> you got to get a new timing belt in your car. doesn't matter that your wife or your husband pissed you off. doesn't matter that your kids are upsetting you. If you don't fucking think about what you're doing, you're going to pass out because this guy's going to fucking choke you. <laughs> yeah. or this guy's going to rip your arm off. You know what I mean? So, like, it really forces you in that moment. And that really helps me mentally because it it forces me to take space from problems that I'm facing, work out, get the endorphins out, and come back to it and say, why was I upset about this? How yeah. can I, How can I approach this now? Yeah. I know for me too, uh, going back to like what I talked about earlier about embracing vulnerability and that surrender. Um, you know, I, I, when I first started in there, it's like, I'm still in this, like I, 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 my, the upper belt would always say, dude, quit being so stiff, loosen up, you know, like you know, focus on your breathing, you know, like, just like always stiff. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm accidentally hurting somebody else or hurting myself, you know, and it was finally when I was just like, Hey, I'm all right. You know, I can trust this person. I can be vulnerable. And this is how I learn. And then when I started loosening up and I started really flowing, you know, that's when it, it finally like clicked. And then under pressure, you know, I used to tap for pressure, you know, I used to, you know, and now it's just like, all right, I'm just going to control my breathing. This sucks. You know, we got some dudes that, some really round and heavy dudes, man. And, that, that, and neon belly or just being stuck underneath them, man. And it's like, dude, it's like, am I being, I'm being waterboarded or suffocated or whatever. Nah, I'm all right, man. Let me, I ain't drowning. I'm going to be all right. So let me just let them, and they're working on the arm and they're working on getting, you know, whatever. And, and I've, I've gotten to the point where it's just like, all right, they're about to do the arm. And they think I'm done, but that's when I know I'm rolling into it and, you know, and I'm out because I managed to just keep my breathing under control under that pressure. So it's like, I was still planning on, okay, well, when they finally do go for this, I'm going for this, you know, and it, it took a while, you know, and it, it just like some days it was just like going in there and like, okay, he tapped me in like, you know, 30 seconds tomorrow. He's not tapped me until 31 seconds. You know, exactly. yeah, yeah, and uh, thankfully, you know, there's a I had I have a good school and a good group of people that wouldn't give up on me because there was many times I was like, you know, that early that early soreness and the other, you know, all my service connected stuff. You know, I mean, I had I I had the laundry list of medical excuses on why I should quit, and that that was gonna I was gonna stamp it, you know, and I didn't, and uh, I'm grateful that I didn't. And now it's like it finally that click has happened and, you know, um, got the blue. And now it's like now now purple's in, in the in, 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 you know, in the future, you know? Yeah, man. Uh, uh, just a caveat to that, for sure. I agree with everything you said. I mean, it's 
especially when you got something like I've tapped so many times in neon belly. I've tapped so many times to a dude. Just like I tapped one guy. I tapped one time just cause a guy was North South and like his gi was over my face and breathing was just hot. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? it was, oh my God. Like this is, and that was during the time where it was like control your breath, but my breath like it's fucking hot. Like I can't breathe right now. You know what I mean? So I, yeah. I even have to, and like now, and also like it, it, it just helps me calm down in stressful situations as it is because if you don't like you said if you don't settle your fucking breathing down you're gonna pass the fuck out on your own accord <laughs> like yeah. you know how tense jujitsu can be man like if you're going 100 miles an hour dude you're not lasting more than two minutes in the first round you know what i mean and now yeah. you, you know once you get to blue belt you you know you're doing you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten rounds. You know what I mean? Just not me, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm ready for a tournament next month, so I'm just grinding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I mean, you know, I, I, I'd like to get there eventually, but I'm still like, uh, I think they, they kind of just, I kind of sometimes I feel like, you know, I got my promotion because I kept coming back and I didn't die, you know. So, but. Hey, all you got to do is show up, man. All you got to do is get there. Yeah. And, and you know, the biggest uh, – one of the biggest obstacles I had, too, was that comparison game we were talking about earlier about, like, the first world stuff. Everybody's worried about what everybody else is thinking or whatever. You know, I'm – I'm I just turned 50. You know, I'm getting into it a little late, um, coming, like I like said, off of retiring from the military. Um, you know, and here I go starting to kind of make excuses or whatever, but – it's reality, but I, I, uh, listen, first of all, Bill, making, making your blue belt at 50 is a fucking huge accomplishment. So don't fucking shortchange yourself for that, on that dude. Seriously, man. Congratulations, dude. Thanks, man. Yeah. That's what my coaches keep telling me too. I'm, I'm always the first to, even when I was being put, called up there, I'm looking at all the young people. I started getting stuck in that mindset again, comparing myself to those white belts that, that whoop my ass, you know? And like, I don't deserve this. They deserve it, you know? And then, but you know, my coaches have to help me pull my head out of my ass to realize that I, you know, I earned it, you know? And, um, but you know, that was that, that was the mindset for the longest time. I was holding myself back, comparing myself to dudes in their twenties, you know, athletes, yeah. collegiate wrestlers coming in and stuff like that. And then, the, and then we get guys, you know, and I've used the old man card, but then I got some old guys that joined that are firefighters. You yeah. know, so I'm like, ah, shit. All right. You know, I got to And then I got involved with the, uh, the we defy organization and I see, oh, nice. you know, the uh, veterans without limbs out there competing. I'm like, I got to shut the fuck up. When I finally found jujitsu grandma on Instagram, I was like, I got to start <laughs> shutting the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> you will anybody to shame, dude. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going to shut up and I'm just going to try and be better than I was yesterday. And I'm the only motherfucker I got to beat. You know, I had a coach that told me 0.01%. If you are 0.01% than you were the last time you were on the mats, dude, you're fucking making progress. Hey, yep. Amen. And then, um, you know, I wanted to touch on, um, well, we talked about already, you know, uh, singing, but let's talk about how you got involved with Dead by Wednesday. Like, when did, like, were you involved in any other bands before or are you just your R. Kelly impersonations? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Yeah, yeah. When I got back home from Iraq, I actually um, got involved 
fuck, now we're going back 2006, 2007. Uh, one of my friends, he um, had a metal band, and I had just gotten into metal while being overseas because I had a roommate who was into metal, and I was like, oh, shit, this stuff actually kind of kicks ass. So it grew on me. Uh, yeah. I had that effect on Carlos when we were over there, too. <laughs> great, dude. Like, I yeah. put him on him onto hip-hop and R&B, and he put now if I talk to him now to this day, I'm like, what do you listen to regularly? He's like hip hop. <laughs> so yeah, I totally yeah. broke his metal and put him into hip hop, and he did the opposite with me. So, um, but yeah, it was um, one of my friends. He knew I sang, and he was like, "Hey man, I I know you don't sing metal, but do you want to just kind of try it and see what happens?" I'm like, "Sure." I had no idea about how to scream or anything. So first thing I'm doing, I'm like. Bah! And I'm like blowing my voice out and shit like that. And then over the years, you know, I started, um, started kind of developing my own style for it. And then I stopped obviously because I had, uh, got reassigned. So I was like, oh, okay, well I can't be in a band anymore. And then I went to Afghanistan. Uh, I came back from Afghanistan. Um, I didn't dabble in a band again until I got out in 2016, um, I had joined a band back then that's uh, kind of big in our area, that was kind of big in our area locally was a band called Venom Morris because uh, I was really good friends with the guitarist because I was in another band with him. So he's like, hey, man, now that you're back, you know, and out, do you want to try? And I'm like, sure. And then uh, that band folded. So then the guitarist, the two guitarists and the, and the bass player and myself, we formed another band called Condition Zero. Uh, back in 20, end of 2017, beginning of 2018. And then uh, we did that. And then um, we started performing towards uh, the end of 2019, going into 2020. And then, as a matter of fact, the last big show we had before um, COVID was we opened up for Born of Osiris um, in December. And then after that, you know, obviously... COVID happened, but right before that, I get a phone call, like a random phone call, and it was Opus. And he's like, hey, you know, I'm kind of looking for, you know, Esteban, you know, um, have him give me a call. I was like, okay. So I called him back, and then that's when Opus is like, yeah, you know, I see you on social media and stuff like that. You know, we're looking to our singer. He can't, he just got a new job, so he's kind of stepping, taking a step back. And he's looking to, you know, and we're looking to have somebody fill in for this tour that we have. It was a twisted, um, uh, it was a dynamic duo tour. It was like a whole, you know, weed infused tour. So they're like, yeah, sure. Screw it. I'll, I'll audition. So I went and auditioned and I got it. And uh, we got everything prepped to be able to get ready to go on tour. And we were actually going to set sail on tour March 28th of 2020. When did lockdown happen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? So we went into lockdown, and that's how I wound up getting in with uh, Dead by Wednesday. Uh, the former singer, Rob, you know, big kudos to Rob. Um, he took a step back because, you know, to forward his career and his family. Um, and thankfully, I'm very grateful that uh, I was afforded the opportunity to come on with these guys. Nice. Nice. And then um... – yeah, so then, you know, COVID happens. You guys don't get the tour, but uh you guys uh you know, you were when you when when were you guys able to start like really working on Capital Conspiracy? Was it during the downtime? 
that you started yeah, writing? Yeah, even, even during lockdown, we started throwing songs around, you know what I mean? Like, there was, like, some demos we had whipped up and stuff like that, and, you know, Opus kind of just, Opus and Dave were like, yo, we're, we're just going to throw you this song, you know, work with it, see what you can come up with, and it was a song on our album called The Wake, and uh, I was like, all right, cool. So I took it and I was like, oh, I, I did it and threw it back at them. And they're like, oh my God, we love it. And I'm like, oh, sweet. And I got I was like, I was actually super nervous. I'm like, oh, I don't know if these guys are going to like it or not, but fuck it. I'll give it a try. So that happened. And then um, SOS, we started working on. That was our next song after that. And then Mars in Exile. So those three songs are already coming out of um, into the summer of 2020 now. Are already starting to hit pretty pretty decent and we already got them done we didn't release them yet um i think we had just released sos and then uh yeah we we started working on that and then over the course of like the next year and a half we finished up uh capital conspiracy nice and then uh yeah so then when uh and then you guys just did the tour over in Europe, the sick as fuck tour. Oh yeah. Um, and that's when I think you is that when you got to go visit Sweden and find out how much everything is over there and all that during that. Yeah, time? Switzerland, man. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> fuck them. Like, what was that experience like getting out, getting finally getting able to go out and play? Uh, you know, this album, perform this album for people, and and actually get to now be on almost a deployment, see the world. Without, you know, like military well, restrictions. Yeah. So what was kind of cool was before I went on this tour, my brother and I, when I got out of the military, actually for jujitsu, um, you can probably look them up now. It's a BJJ Globetrotters. They do camps all around the world, like jujitsu full on like camps and you immerse yourself into these camps and you train okay. for a week. So the first time we went was back in 2018 and we wound up going to Leuven, Belgium to go train for a week. So we went to Amsterdam, France, all that shit. And then the year after that, we wound up going to Germany. So I kind of already seasoned myself to traveling and, you know, I gone to Mexico and stuff. I always said when I got out of the army that I wanted to travel the military without, um, without having any, I mean, not travel, travel the world, travel the military, travel the world without having any restrictions anymore. You know, like don't have to worry about fucking what's going on here. Don't have to worry about what's going on there. So, yeah. And then I uh, wound up doing that. And when I got over there, it was like, oh, okay, this is great. It was definitely a different experience when I had the, when I was like, um, obviously in the band. It's a whole different experience, way different experience. It was the like jaw dropping. Real quick, is it bad to have to go take a piss break? No, that's fine. Go ahead. Cool. I'll be right. Kind of once again, now seeing the rest of the world through eyes that have already seen stuff. You know, and being grateful yeah. for, you know, what we have here and stuff. What was that experience like? Exactly what you like. You just just mentioned, like when I mentioned before about you know, being grateful. Like I had like an emotional experience when we were in Rome. You know, I even told the guys I like, I got pretty emotional. I told them like, guys, you know, I, you know, I lived a pretty rough life. You know, growing up kind of pretty poor and. um you know, being in the military and having to see the, some of the shit I've seen, I never in a million fucking years, Bill, I never in a million years would have ever thought that I, I would be in Rome. 
you know what I mean? Or be in Italy playing, like, I thought it'd be fucking dead by now, you know? Yeah. And it was just, it really hit. It was like a tuning fork. Boom. It was like, wow. It was like, honestly, it was like the universe, whoever, higher power, big guns, Jesus, Muhammad, whoever, whatever anybody wants to call them, was just like, here, here's your gift. Here's what you wanted. Nice. And what do you, I mean, you know, I want to touch on that a little bit because I know, uh, you know, getting out of my own way and, and kind of like, uh, you know, you, you get, you get what you put out too. And, and when you don't have any kind of like expectations, I, I think, um, I've realized, you know, you know, we went, I don't know if it was us being prepared for what what is coming and what we've already been experiencing um but you know as bad as as things got in 2020 and being locked down i was kind of able to like re reset myself and, and and a lot of doors have opened up in my life for like relationships i never thought i would have a lot of positive things through all the fear that's being projected that that, that constant state of fear that we can stay stuck in you know, I'm kind of like almost like, well, I'm a, I, I, it, things are right. So whatever is controlling things, the more I kind of like put my faith into what, you know, like I have no control, you know, and and, and like whenever I kind of just go by faith, doors open up. I have so many relationships and friendships now that I never thought were possible um, and, and so many experiences on the way. Um, and, it, and at first when it started happening, you know, the negative side was just like figures of shit's happening now as the world's coming to an end and it's the apocalypse, you know, but I'm like, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm like, all right, I'm rolling with it. And, and more, more things keep, keep happening. I don't know. What do you feel? Dude, I'm a total proponent of that shit, dude. Um, you know how that shit started with me was actually during COVID as well. So it's funny you mentioned that. I used to have this big thing about getting anxiety about losing shit. Yeah. I, it was like, and come to find out, you know, going through therapy and things like that, it was, it, it was, it's a trained thought from the military, you know, sensitive items. If you lose a sensitive item, like, dude, like, oh, the, yeah. The fucking world, like, if you lose your nods, bro, like, everybody's going hands across, you know, America and you're going to go find those fucking night vision goggles. Yeah. You know, so it was like, it was a trauma response to me. Like, anytime I would lose something that I felt was important at the time, I would lose my mind. Yeah. So what I started doing was whenever I would lose something, I would tell myself, all right, or whenever I would misplace something and look for something, even if something as simple as my keys or my wallet or, you know, something I've been looking for for a while, I always, I took a step back and I was like, you know what, man, I'm not going to worry about it right now. Let me figure out something else I can do and it'll pop up one way or another. And if it doesn't pop up, there ain't shit I can do about it. Whatever. Yeah. Dude, even to this day, I swear to God, 10 out of 10. As soon as I say that, within the hour, I find what I was looking for. Yeah. So it's like, and I put that towards life. I like, and the same thing with like jujitsu. It's, I put it towards like, not getting crushed. Things are, you know, kind of shitty right now. But let me look at my blessings that I have. 
I have both hands. I have both legs. I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm for lack of better terms, I'm not sitting in a hospital bed. Like I'm, I'm pretty able body. I know people that are not able body, you know? So I sit there and say, you know what? Who cares if I, you know, if I can't go to this concert, who cares if I, you know, blew a tire on the way to work? Who cares if I got to drop, you know, $600 to fix, you know, the, you know, the clutch on my truck or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's just money. It is what it is. Nobody's hurt. Everything's fine. And the same thing, dude, immediately it's like, as soon as I start like not worrying, it's almost like, it's like a fucking program started. It's like positivity, positivity, positivity. Yep. Here's this opportunity. Here's that opportunity. Here's this opportunity. Here's that opportunity. What I realized, and then before that, I used to be a real bitter motherfucker. I used to be really angry, really bitter, really negative, like perpetually negative. And it's still tough sometimes because I, I can still be very negative when I want to be. Yeah, But I, I, I have a verbal dialogue with myself, like, snap the fuck out of it. Don't do this. You're, you're going down a rabbit hole. And I remember those times, anytime I was being super negative, man, like, bad stuff would happen. Yep. Or I would attract, like, bad people would be in my life. Yep. Or, like, I had a revolving door of friends in my life because I was toxic to them. You know what I mean? But it, either which way. And it kind of, like, leads onto this whole broad spectrum of things, like, for example, when you see somebody who's everybody knows has a friend that's always getting in trouble with the law, you know yeah. what I mean? So if you're always getting in trouble with the law, what energy are you putting out into the world that it fucking attracts that? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm a huge proponent of you are what you attract. You know what I mean? You're in the, in the term of show me who a man, who a man holds his company. And I'll tell you his character really holds true. Oh yeah. Yep. I try and teach that to my daughters constantly. Like you, you, if you're hanging out with like five hoodlums, you're going to be the sixth, you know, or whatever, you know? And yeah. it's like, you know, being in recovery, you know, I've got, I got 14 years sobriety, you know, working a program. Congratulations, um, man. Congratulations. Thank you. But, uh, you know, during that, it, it prepared me for, you know, like that, you know, 2020, you know, prepared me to, because I got the serenity prayer and I would say that religiously, what do I have control over right now, you know, and, and, and help me get through what I don't have control over. And then acceptance, just accepting things are what they are right now. And I have to, you know, the more I, I accept and the more, I, you know, I say the serenity, said the serenity prayer during all that stuff, it kind of, and the and the cool thing about that as well is like, you know, when it keeps you closer in that fear zone and your energy in that fear zone, like you like I said, it opened up so many relationships and friendships that I have today in in recovery and in the music world and everything. We are all zooming, you know. I've met people through Zoom that I never thought I'd meet, you know, if I even if I paid for a meet and greet, you know, yeah. and stuff like sure. that, you know. And it was superficial. Now it's like I got like real relationships, which is a huge blessing. But, you know, during that time, I was able to look at things a little bit differently when everybody else was kind of losing their shit. And you and, and when you're stuck, when you're not in that fight or flight and that fear state, you can almost see the uh, the theatrics that's being played on all of us, you know. Man, <laughs> which is this the part we segue? <laughs> yeah, kind of getting back into what we were 
touched on earlier how we're in it. We're in it, and people don't realize, you know, this what, is a motherfucking soap opera, bro. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it. I mean, we say it's coming, but it's here, man. It's been here. I believe. I believe. Uh, you know, and this is the fun stuff for me because this is the these are the episodes that get me uh, banned on YouTube and in trouble or whatever. But let's do it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, fucking, I. You know, it, it just uh. Fuck! I'm I'm now I'm I'm totally like shit in the bed on what I was going to say. But anyway, capital conspiracy. We were talking about the writing for that, and 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 that's when Opus was like, "Oh, you got to talk to Esteban because uh, it's not only just like the name of the album, but you know, there's conspiracies. You know that you know people say, oh, man, you're such a conspiracy theorist or whatever.' I'm like, have you ever really worked for the government? You know, you've ever been in there where 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 you're told people are being told one thing, but we're seeing something completely different. It Thank you. Change your perspective you. quite a bit. You Thank know? you, dude. Thank you for saying that shit. Like, fuck, I hate it when people from Starbucks look at me and say, yeah, this isn't really happening. Fuck you. Yes, it is, dude. Anderson Cooper did not mention that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> fuck off, dude. Like, I, I see that shit all the time. Like, and especially like, in 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 another realm that I in a couple of the rooms that I I travel in I like I said I don't, I'll keep that part obscure but a couple of the rooms that I travel in um you know I deal with a lot of people who like really live in a motherfucking bubble dude they're I'm like you in. guys have no idea that they're fucking playing you dude they're playing you like a fucking Xbox bro and you're just playing right into dude I don't even have all the national news channels. All the fucking, all I have is my local news, and the only alerts that I'm allowed that that I allow it to give me are on weather. Yeah, and the Yankees. That's it. That's all I give a fuck about. The other headlines I get are from fucking ESPN about UFC. Other than that, dude, I took, especially with the entire like, um, Dude, these news networks, man, there's such a fucking agenda. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to get you banned. I don't want to fucking dabble. No, down. I, I, I mean, I don't know. For me, it was like after the event in September of 2001. You know, I, 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 I was just like, oh my god. You know, I just, I had my, my oldest was a, a year old. And we're watching, you know, she's watching the book of Pooh, Winnie the Pooh on Disney Channel. And mom comes home early from work. And I'm like, you know, and because I, I work nights, so I was with, with our baby. I'm like, what the hell are you doing home early? She's like, you don't know what's going on. I was like, no, freaking, it's not like Mickey Mouse cuts in. This just in, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, so then we I turn on and then I'm watching the towers fall and everything just like I'm being bombarded. And then, and then I was hooked and then I started watching religiously. Like they hooked me in and I'm watching the, the elevation rates, you know, the, the threat levels and all that shit. And then it took a while of being pulled in where I was realized, I realized they wanted me in, they got me, you know? And, 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 uh, let's just say I start I, somehow some friends got me into some alternative, uh, reporting journalism and news and, one guy that screams a lot that just got sued a ton of money, 
you know, I used to I watch who him that is. <laughs> quite a bit. And, uh, but then he would stress me out too. So I needed people, you know, I needed to even things out, but anyway, and I was still active, you know, and I went on my last deployment and I was just like, you know, and, and, and uh, I'll say I would, so I was deployed 2008 and there's a guy coming in and I had a bunch of other people telling me, you know, oh, this guy's a, this guy's a cell, he's an infiltrator, you know, and then he ended up getting, you know, and I, and ended up becoming our president. And it, it was around that time where I started paying a lot more attention and then reading more history books on our government, on certain presidents that spoke out about different things. And then when things went downhill, because all of a sudden this dude gets shot in Dallas, which I visited while I was down in Dallas too. But uh, like, you know, I'm, I'm going down all these rabbit holes. And then you mentioned earlier professional wrestling, being a fan of professional wrestling. I, too, am a fan of professional wrestling. Grew up, thank you, Vince McMahon, you know, for all the years of entertainment. But then that's how I saw our political parties, you right? know? Right, dude? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's you like, have one section that's like the nation and domination, another one that's like <laughs> generation, degeneration X, you know what I mean? Like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. And they're coming out and they're fighting each other, but they go back to the same locker room. Exactly. exactly, dude. <laughs> you know, the way I tell people, man, I mean, if anything, this will give me backlash, dude. Like, every single politician is fucking crooked. <laughs> yeah, I don't give a fuck, dude. There, I don't trust Elon Musk, I don't trust fucking any of those guys. I personally think Elon Musk is like a fucking red herring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think he's just because the reality is, dude, if you're still a multi-billionaire. Yeah. If you're a multi-billionaire with that much money, why aren't you making that much of a difference? If you're calling these dudes out, why aren't you why aren't you campaigning for politics? Why aren't you campaigning for change? Instead of just sitting there on Twitter and just buying all these stuff. Why aren't you campaigning for change? Oh, because you're the guy that they put in place in order for the for the other side to go ahead and have a savior and shut the fuck up for a while because then that way they can't uprise. Yeah, well, and and while you're on 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 that, I've kind of started feeling that way about Big Don. Yes, thank you. you. Know? I, I I was uh, I was all in at the beginning. You know, I I was I I mean I was finally like you know after everything, and you know it was like here we are. It was it was looking like a Bush Clinton again. Yeah, dude. You know? sure. Like here we go, the same friggin' people. You know, enough with this BS, and then this 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 maverick, this outsider comes, you're fired, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and everybody loved them and now they hate them. And uh, so then I started loving them because everybody hated them, you know? And, and he was saying all the things I wanted to hear. And then for me, it was just like this, 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 uh, everybody needs to get this thing injected in their body. We're going to fast forward this thing, warp speed. Um, and, and I did it, you know, dude, come on, man. You know, it was just like every, and then, and then, and then there's that whole thing with like, you know, trust the plan or whatever, sit back. The good guys are in control, dude. You know, that that's what keeps the good guys actually sitting on their ass, you know, dude, so, I'll be honest with you, like, look at what's happening now, for example. Yeah. The same exact thing that happened with Orange Fucker. 
Everybody, there was a bunch of people that loved him. That side loved him when Trump, look, I'll, I'll be honest, the Republican side loved Trump when he went into office, right? Then he went in there and there was some fucking shenanigans that he did. And a lot of the, a lot of the people were like, wait a minute, you shouldn't be talking like this. You shouldn't be acting this way. Like we yeah. put you in power, like, like do the right thing. And now look what's happening. Okay. Biden's voted into office. You know what I mean? Like he's. He's supposed to be the great hope, and now look at what his accept look at what his acceptance rating is. People are like, I don't want him a president again. Like, so I feel like he's red herring too. Well, it was like, I mean, this game has been being played. Like, you know, I remember, like, I mean, the the hanging chads back in, yeah. it, 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 you know, Bush Gore or whatever. You know, all right, we're getting our guy in. You know, everybody got so tired of all the crap. You know, and the and the endless wars and the weapons of mass destruction, and we got to find these and send our boys off. So then, this well-spoken uh, African American man comes on the on the scene, and and everybody's like, "Oh, we finally hope and change, hope and change." But I kind of saw I I was seeing through that, like there, when there Bush Kerry was like, uh, "We're say we're part of the same society," you know. So what's the choice? And then, and then it, and then, and then, uh, you know, the hope and change gets in, and we're thinking, okay, you know, where's the hope? There's some change going on, but it ain't going no direction. I, I think our our country needs to be going. And, and then, you know, Romney was the other choice. I'm like, they put people in that they know aren't going to be the one to, or McCain. You know, they're, they're put the one. This is your other option. And then you're just like, well, what kind of choice is that? You know. For sure, so, dude. So it's like I've been watching the game for a long time, and I actually bought in. I did at the beginning, the beginning of the term, you know, uh, in the in the in the Don, you know, because there I was mean, so everybody much. Everybody did, man. Everybody sunk, sunk. Everybody bought into the party that they wanted to see win, you know, like. And it wasn't the party thing for me. It was like what he was actually offering. He sounded like he felt like he was finally pulling the curtain back and speaking the truth. And then I watched the old videos of him on Oprah and. All this stuff that I'm like, the dude's been solid saying these things for all this time. I want to get behind him, but it was. And then what happened? Yeah, yeah. What happened, dude? That let if that's not an indicator that there's a bigger puppet master behind the motherfucking scenes, dude. I don't know what is, dude. Exactly. Like, like there's nothing you can. Huh. The, the the way I put it is like, for example, for example. How are you going to push this vaccine? Or, sorry, I don't even, maybe you can edit that out. So, I'll, I'll start. <laughs> for example, how are you going to push this jab yeah. over pushing healthy living? Mm -hmm. In the same commercial, you talk about health and you talk about, hey, if you care about your loved ones, get this jab. But then yet there's a fucking McDonald's commercial that's right after it. Yeah. Or the dude in New York, you get some free fries if you go get it. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? It's been proven, dude, that it make, if you eat McDonald's, it destroys your liver more than you drink. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's... When we were locked down and they closed the gyms, you couldn't go train jujitsu. You couldn't do, you know, any of the healthy things. And then and you had your time limit of when you could go grocery shopping. And, and then people are like, you know, buying in bulk because it's like, well, I'm going to be locked down for a while. And I was seeing the processed crap everybody was buying. 
but they think the magic little, you know, it ain't the secret soldier serum from frigging Captain America, dude. You know, I mean, if it I, was, I would have I would signed up probably, but I mean, you went through the same time I did, so I got pumped with anthrax shots, dude. So oh, yeah, yep. Like there ain't no fucking more prototype than that. So the people are talking, oh, you don't want to take the jab for safety? Fuck you, take an anthrax shot, bitch. Yeah, you know what I mean, like anthrax, smallpox, all that fucking shit. Take all the other fucking vaccines that I that I've had, dude. I I haven't gotten jab, you know, because I I can't. I got vaccine injured from the anthrax shot. So a part of my dis- I can't even really say that out loud. Yeah, yeah. But a part of that is I can't I can't take the jab. Um, but the only thing is, is like, if there was such a concerted effort off for people to live a healthy lifestyle, as much as it was for this fucking jab, we wouldn't be in the same, in the fucking predicament that we're in. Nope. Period. People's immune systems would be fucking amazing. Why? Because they're eating healthy. They're exercising. They're not drinking. They're not smoking cigarettes. Nobody's nobody's running a fuck. No politician is running a campaign to get to fucking cigarettes off the scene. That's one of the number one killers on the fucking planet. Yep. Nobody's stopping fucking uh, processed sugars. Nobody's stopping high fructose corn syrup. Nope. Well, nobody's- in this country, you know, I mean, there's other countries. Exactly. That-, that makes you think even more. Why the fuck are we allowed to have it here? But every dude, I just went to Europe, dude. They don't even have spiked seltzers in Europe. They don't have all kinds of things that we serve here. And it just kind of makes you think like, wait a fucking minute. Yeah. I mean, sure, there were some things going on where they didn't have in other countries where they didn't have a choice if they wanted to travel and all that. They had to get, you know, so it, is, it has been a global concerted effort. It's a it's one hand washes another, you know. But at the same time, the people that they're telling us are the bad guys. You know, don't allow Monsanto into their country. They don't allow genetically modified foods into their country. We got we got people on the board of the FDA that are also on the board of like you know or you know CDC that are also on the board of oh, Pfizer. Fuck and, those cunts, dude. You know? Like I don't understand how anybody can even put a fucking weight into the CDC anymore, dude. It, they've been proven time and time and time again that they're inaccurate. So even when I hear that word CDC, dude, I get so fucking fed up with those guys. Like, and you're right. Like the, the same people who are doing these, are, you know, FDA, you know, the same time they're not allowing you to leave the country for a jab. Hey, but no worries. We don't have trans fat in our fucking cupcakes. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to push trans everything else, but not trans. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's a whole nother episode, but, uh, but yeah, man, it, it, I, I just, you know, we talk, we, we talked about, you know, oh, they don't know what's coming, but it, it's, I also look at it like this, you know, they, you know, everybody's like worried about, oh my God, World War Three is going to start off nuclear World War Three. I'm like, dude, we're in World War Three. World War Three is now. Cyber. Yeah. World War Three's been cyber. It's been uh, fentanyl pumped over our borders. It's been the infiltration of our education systems. It's been, um, I don't know if you're a, a G. Edward Griffin, you read up on him or aware of him. I had him on the podcast. I got no to interview him. Yeah. Yeah. I'll send you that episode. And we talked yeah, man, about seriously. He, he, you know, that interview he had with Yuri Bremovich or whatever, that yep. KGB defector. Everything that dude warned us about back in what was that in the seventies when he did that interview? 
Dude, I mean, in the 60s, the KGB was doing all the testing about inundating people with fucking multimedia. With They tested multi... The definition of multimedia is news. They tested yeah. multimedia on people to inundate them with so many versions of the truth, of different truths or yeah. different stories that people didn't even know what the fuck to believe, which then raised their anxiety, which then gives the person who's the overlord or the, you know, final arbitrating authority or, you know, government body to say, hey, we're here to help. Listen to us. Don't yeah. listen to the medias. Don't listen to these guys. Listen to us. Probably when they're the fucking puppet master. Yeah. Was, it, was yeah. it Reagan that said, you know, the worst words that anybody can hear are, I'm with the government and I'm here, I'm to, help. here to help? Yeah, yeah. And then I think I don't know if that was I forget when this person was in the was it Casey in the in the CIA or something that like we'll know our 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 uh, operation was successful where people don't know what to believe anymore you know or what the truth is anymore. That's the you truth. Know, the information, disinformation. Bill, I'm gonna put it like this, dude. Over over COVID, we just finished releasing that extraterrestrials are fucking real. That UFOs are fucking real and they're not man-made and no one gives a fuck. <laughs> okay. We've been fighting for the, the disclosure for all these years, but we've been through so much shit. We don't even care. Ah, whatever. <laughs> like yeah. are, are, what fucking planet am I on right now, dude? Like we just, we just finished telling you guys, look, that shit in the sky that you all are seeing, we got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people are worried about. Oh my God, did you get the jab? There's things up there, dude. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Are you are you serious right now? Where are your fucking priorities lie, dude? And I mean, like, if we go down that rabbit hole, dude, you can fucking you can look at propaganda, propaganda one on one. Look at look at any military movement, propaganda one on one. Look, we did it during fucking Saudi. We did it in Vietnam. We did it during um Afghanistan. We did it during fucking Iraq. Okay, we inundate. We fucking um, it's propaganda. You start controlling the media, controlling where they are, controlling the people. Good, start making cow cattle pass. Start making cattle pass where people can go. Okay, and then you, what you do is that once it's mass hysteria, once it's people that are that can't even have a conversation with each other, that don't trust each other. If you have a nation that is absolutely destroyed from within, it's so easy to go ahead and take them over. I think yeah. it was Admiral Yamamoto during World War II that the reason that this guy right here, United States, old glory, is so un uninvadable. He said, because behind every third blade of grass is a rifle. Yeah. And look what they're after right now. Yep. Yep. And that's what's been keeping them at bay for so long is that Second Amendment. And, of course, they're attacking that. But at the same time, like I said, man, it's soft kill weaponry. You know, uh, what is it? The silent weapons for quiet wars. Yeah. Um, there's, like I was saying, we're in the middle of it, man. You know, we we've got, we've had the opioid epidemic, you know, we've lost people to, you know, overdose. We got the disinformation. We got the people in the fear state. We got people willingly rolling up their sleeves for something new. For the pandemic. Yeah, exactly. And, and so died suddenly, you know, uh, we got it, what, it. Hold on. What the fuck is up with that shit? The, now we all have, now all of a sudden we have died suddenly. 
Yeah, or SADS or whatever it's called, like SIDS, sudden adult death syndrome. You know? When the fuck does that ever become a thing? When did young kids, you know, when did young athletes start having heart attacks? You know, did you see the whole thing about the, uh, I forgot what team it was, but it was either a, was I think it was a cricket team that like half the team fucking yeah. wound up having uh, myocarditis and started dropping dead. Yeah. Right after one of the jabs. I'm not, I'm not going to get you banned by saying, you know, the yeah. brand, I know the brand and I yeah. know, and I know, you know, who did it. And I, and I, I say, you know, I don't know what team, but I actually know what team, you know, and those guys are falling like flies, dude. How are you going to have professional athletes dude? there at the peak of their fucking physical fitness just die randomly? Well, here's the thing, too, that I've run into with some of my friends that, uh, you know, even, even if even if we're like kind of close on, on our personal beliefs, like politically or whatever, you know, I ain't missing my concerts. You know, I ain't missing my sporting events. You know, I was like, here, it's been my life, man. You know, and I was like, okay, if this is it, it means I never see another live music event again. So be it. You know, I ended up having a heart attack at the beginning of 2020, a minor heart attack, you know, and and that was, uh, you know, that led me to, you know, eating healthier and changing my lifestyle and everything. And my doctor even like, I don't want you getting this, you know, and I was like, yeah, I don't want to get it because I already got enough. But anyway, I had, I had these friends that they're just like, I ain't missing out on my, my fun. So I, what, what, you know, it, it, come on, everybody's getting it. Everybody's doing it. I'm going to go do it. And now their pride's in the way. Cause now they're realizing that they screwed up, but they don't want to admit that they screwed up and they wish they would have, you know, that the crazy guy that was like, all right, I guess I'm not going. And guess what? I'm going to a music festival next, next weekend. And I don't have to show shit anymore. You know, I was literally going to say, where am I going? Yeah. Melfest. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like- Come on. Yeah, I just had to. I, it just, I just had to be. I had to stick with my what I, my beliefs and my, uh, you know, and wait it out, you know. But at the same time, it, I don't think it's over, you know. There's a, there's been so much going on, like you said. There's like you said, all these cow paths that have been thrown at us. It's either like what's happening to our kids in school, what's happening with this this uh, letter jumbled letter organization over here, what's happening, you know. There's all this stuff. Oh, oh, but he's coming back in 2024 to save us. Our guy, our big orange knight, you know, and fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's us. If we don't yeah. pull our heads out of our asses and wake up and start, you know, Paul revering it, you know, whatever, getting other people involved, man, it, it, it's done. If you don't start paying attention and it looks like there's so many threats that are on the horizon, dude, look at fucking AI alone. Oh yeah, yeah, dude. AI, AI alone, dude. It, like that's a whole other monster, dude. That's a whole other monster in itself. That yeah. even top professionals and CEOs and people of those that nature are saying that we are dabbling into something that we should not be dabbling into. And what do we do? Like normal fucking greedy ass human beings. Not only do we dabble into it, but we're gonna get into a fucking space race with our fucking competitors about AI and see who can create the better one. Yeah, you know, the faster one. Like, dude, there's AI that we have to deal with that's happening right now. There, I mean, if oh my god, you talk about CERN, we could talk about <laughs> dude, all, all kinds. Of, and and people aren't batting a fucking eye at this, dude. 
No. Like, people are worried about all. TikTok. People are worried about fucking Instagram. Oh, how many God. likes do I got? You know, how many you followers? Like, selfie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this is why, dude, I can't have any national or international news on my phone because I'll stress myself out. I'm like, well, so the only thing I do is, like you said, I can only control what I can control. I have this conversation with my best friend all the time. I'm like, he's like, yeah, dude, like, it's getting bad. I'm like, but who's going to fucking do anything? Who's doing anything? He's like, well, maybe, you know, if if Trump or Elon comes back in the office, I'm like, bullshit. If those two assholes put their money together, they can be able to wage war and finance enough to fucking make change. But they don't. Why? Is anybody asking that question? I mean, look at look at the Internet now. Dude, look, I'm going to I'm going to bring it into it. But you get fucking you get hit and restricted on social medias for social medias. I'll, so I'll, I'll put, lump them all into one for yeah. even mentioning God. Why yeah. is what the fuck is going on? Exactly. And yeah. guess what? Guess what? The biggest trick that the fucking devil pulled on the world was to make the world believe he didn't even exist. Yep. And, oh, to, pull, and to pull all of it, all of the big guns upstairs followers, dude. Yep. And look what's happening, dude. People like you just you just hit the nail on the head. People are more worried about going to fucking concerts than worried about their families. People are more worried about fucking getting likes than spending time with their kids. People are more worried about having to go to work and having to grind and want to be successful and be famous than going ahead and getting being a good human being. Dude, we're like we live in a fucking society that's inundated with narcissists. Yeah, oh yeah. Me, yeah. me, 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 me. And that's one of the things I see from the military, because when you come from the military, it's a very we atmosphere. Like, we are suffering right now. Like, if you're going to suffer, you're going to suffer together. If you're yeah. going to win, you're going to win together. So coming out, you have a form of, like, you see all these people who are individuals. Well, well I got to get mine. Well, what does that do for me? Or, you know, me, I, I have this big thing with people, like, the that are, like, me people. They're like, oh, your pronouns are me, myself, and I. You know what I mean? So, like, and and everybody knows that, like, when you, if you think about religion, what's the number one thing that's, you know, fuels big guy downstairs is vanity. Yep. Pride. Pride comes before the fall, man. Exactly, man. And we're a very prideful nation right now. You can't even, dude, if people 50 years fuck 50 years ago 30 years ago saw that like what people are getting banned for like people can't you're not even saying the pledge of allegiance in the fucking classroom anymore dude like come on man meanwhile in these other countries man they got they're conditioning their kids to go in the military and defend and die for their country oh yeah yeah there's what fifth graders over in other countries taking apart rifles and putting them back together you know Look, if a millionaire wants to be a prima donna and take a knee during the national anthem, so be it. If he wants to make a jackass out of himself, go for it. I know where my loyalty lies. The money in my pocket has American fucking dollars on it, and that's where my loyalty lies. I said it at the beginning of the podcast, and I'll say it now. We may not be perfect, but to me, we're the best. You know what I mean? And I've been to other countries. Yeah, of course. Are there luxuries in other countries that we don't have here that just seem really nice? Yeah, great. Are Do other countries have universal health care? Yeah, great. But they don't have 350 fucking million people. They don't have the poverty epidemic that we have. They don't have the fentanyl. They don't have the border issues we have right now. They don't have the fucking drug issues we have right now. They don't have the fucking broken down homes that we have right now. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, so like down families, you know, dude, they, they've the completely families. broken down the family structure. And when you break down the family structure, what happens is that you start forming people who are in survival mode. And if you're in survival mode, all you're going to think about is yourself. Yep. And that's what we have. We have a, it's not just us though. And if you look too, there's a big thing about TikTok. I'll fucking say TikTok because I hate those fuckers. TikTok now in the United States, obviously we give people more views for doing dumb shit. You know, like the guys doing the bloopers, the guys doing, you know, the girls you know, make taking sexy pictures and things like that. That's that gets likes over here yeah. in this country. In other countries in China, in India, and things like that, you know what they get likes on? They get likes on when they build shit. People who do innovations, people who build structures, people who are like starting to become political parties, people who are starting to lead political parties, people who are starting to, you know, be mayors and things like that, or, you know, people who are the head of their class. That's what gets you more likes over there. So the algorithm that is set for us is meant for us to fail. Like you said, the war is already here and it's already happening and people don't even see it, dude. Oh man, I got people in my, on my jujitsu team that give me shit, you know, because they're like, dude, why you gotta send me all this negative stuff? You know, which I'm trying to like, hey, pay attention to this, you know, but it's like all this negative stuff, and then they want to send me like, you know, people getting kicked in the nuts, you know, videos and stuff like that, and they keep it funny. They want to laugh, but I'm like, you know, our jujitsu is only gonna get us so far, you know. <laughs> it, it's uh, I don't know, dude, but like. We were saying before, though, it, it, there's nothing wrong. It's it's not really negative to take a, like a SWOT anal analysis and know what your 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 the threats are, what the weaknesses are, you know, and all that stuff to be aware of what's going on, but also to redirect for ourselves when we know when we lean on our on the faith, how much good things have been coming, you know, for us as well. There's 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 ignorance is bliss, or there's you know peaceful, happy vigilance or whatever, I guess. I don't know. But, uh, hey, uh, we're getting ready to – we're almost approaching two hours here, and I know we could go – That know, felt like fucking 20 minutes, dude. <laughs> yeah. I know we could go longer, but I want to get ready and start wrapping this up. For sure. Uh, because I like to try and keep them under two hours. That way I can share uh, stuff. But, uh, you know, I'll definitely uh, – have you back anytime and now we got each other's information man i'll share some of uh some of the other stuff since i know i got somebody else i could that they'll appreciate what i what i send them but uh before we get ready like right a up, podcast like a conspiracy podcast between three vets and how we see the world now specifically yeah. just on conspiracy shit no i actually got some musicians that are into it too so we're gonna do like it we're gonna get a bunch of people together and do like do a, a episode like that hell um, yeah so uh, I'll definitely get you, keep you in the loop for that. But uh, yeah, let me dude. ask you a couple of questions. I normally ask guests that I have on sure. um, real quick. Uh, three people who've inspired you or you can credit for making you the person you are today. Jesus Christ. Um, my father, for sure. I, I obviously, um, I mean, he may, he and I knew, you know, towards the end really didn't have a great relationship before he left this planet, but a lot of his influences is, is, is still on me. And, um, 
I really just try to impart, um, and I, I go back, I know I said Jesus first, but I really go back to my faith and I really hold strong to my faith and I'm, and I'm faithful. I'm Roman Catholic. I know it's not a perfect religion and we got pedophiles and all that shit, but, and I don't care. I believe in God and I don't care what anybody says. And I will take that to the grave. And if they don't like me for it, then they can fuck off. But, um, Padre Pio is, um, one, uh, Saint, Saint Pio is one of my, um, one of my people inspirations because one of his quotes is, uh, pray more, worry less. Amen. Nice. And then, uh, we touched a little bit about uh, being fans of uh, wrestling. Who was your favorite wrestler? Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck, man. Now you're fucking with me. Uh, definitely when I was a smaller, smaller kid was Hulk Hogan. Dude, I I loved Hulk Hogan so much. Like, yeah, brother. And then even then, say your prayers, eat your vitamins. You yeah. know what I mean? Believe Work out, say your prayers, yeah. eat your vitamins. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But I really... I really, really, really was into The Rock. Nice. Uh, just because I loved his swag. I loved how he was an asshole. I loved how, you know, he was just... So The Rock was my dude, obviously, until recently. But some... Even still, like, I go back and forth with him because he's still, like, he's kind of a one percenter. But he's like, you know, is he is he drinking the fucking Kool-Aid? Or, you know, what what yeah. is he? You know, so, yeah, but, Hollywood, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. But yeah, The Rock was my dude, and Hulk Hogan was my dude as a younger guy. Nice. And then uh, any message you have for our military brothers and sisters currently serving overseas? Overseas, guys, take care of yourselves, man, and take care of each other. Love each other no matter what, and take care of each other even when you're out of uniform because we're all, we all need it. Yeah. Nice. And never, ever, 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 motherfucking ever have anybody look at you and make you try to feel bad for being an American. Amen. Fuck those dudes. Be proud that you're a fucking American and be proud that you're a, with cultured Americans because that's who we are. We have always been a fuck you nation from the start. How did we start this nation? It was 12 guys in a bar. They gave the fucking middle finger and said, fuck you guys. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, they were racist slave owners. That's fine. Not okay now, obviously, but back then, they were pioneers to go ahead and break us into a new world. And we, ever since then, we continued giving the finger and we will continue giving the fucking finger. We are the middle finger of the world. <laughs> Amen. And then... um. For people that are like new to hearing about, uh, you know, Dead by Wednesday and you and what you're up to, uh, where can people go to uh, support what you do? Definitely find us on all of our social medias, deadbywednesday.com. Um, we are on um, Instagram, Facebook, fucking MySpace, all the ones that you find. I mean, if your grandmother can find it, we're on it. If your fucking four-year-old can find it, we're on it. Doesn't matter. We've spread our schmegma everywhere. So find nice. us on find us everywhere, man. And definitely smash the subscribe button. Um, we could use all the support we need. We can use all the support we can get. We we love performing for you guys and we do it for the fans. We don't do it for us, man. We we've been grinding and we do it for you guys. The music we write and the messages that we put out is all for you guys. So we hope that you guys enjoy it. Awesome. 
Dude, I'll definitely be having you back and we'll be we'll stay in touch in the meantime because uh we definitely opened a lot of uh uh doors that we need to continue <laughs> uh shaking up and talking about. But uh real quick before I let you go, you mind doing one last favor? And, sure. Uh, cutting a promo ID for the show, just introduce yourself and you're listening to today's boondoggle. Absolutely. What's up, everybody? You're listening to your boy Esteban from your favorite band, DBW, and we are on Boondoggle Radio, my man. Awesome, man. Esteban, thanks a lot, brother. Thank you for the time. uh, Yeah, you too, man. I'm glad we got this done, and uh, we'll be in touch, and uh, hopefully you guys will come through Cleveland, and uh, you know we'll get to see you play and maybe have some time to get a roll in or something, too. Absolutely, dude. We we roll through there. We just played Akron back in the summer, dude. So we we actively roll through the Midwest a lot. So I since me being in a band, we've been through the Midwest twice. So I would definitely love to catch up with you and definitely love to train with you, my man. Awesome, brother. Thanks a lot, man. Take care, brother. Bye. Bye.